0: good to see Linda Corbett. She is, yeah, look at that. She even gets a hand. Isn't that wonderful? She had surgery a couple weeks back and um, was um, bedridden for a little while and out of work, and so it's good to see her back. Can you hear me okay? I can't hear me either. Is that better? There we go. Now I hear me. All right. Linda, do you want me to embarrass you all over again? It's good to see Linda back. Can we get a hand for Linda? All right. And uh, keep praying for her. And are you back to work now? All right. Were all the meals good? Do you need more? <laughs> if you love Greg, you could send him another meal. And uh, so I appreciate you... Um, helping them out and praying for her and loving their family while she was through that. Um, I spent, um, you ever have a day where you just kind of, the events of your day just cause you to be sober minded. And you you just realize that um, this world we live in is so short and we don't have all the time that we think we have. I was at a funeral today um, Matt Matt Foreman, his parents um, Sam and Kathy Foreman are members of our church. His brother-in-law um, Nick um, he uh, attends our church as well. And they buried their their forty-one-year-old son today. Friday night, he was driving with his thirteen-year-old daughter on seventy-five, in where the lanes were merging. I guess maybe due to quickly, and Matt was behind them and ended up hitting the back of that tractor trailer going under that tractor trailer, pinning him under there with his daughter. And um, his daughter walked away um, uh, physically, um, maybe unharmed, but will be affected, obviously, emotionally the rest of her life, Um, just as she held hands. Boy, it puts things in perspective. Puts life in perspective. And um, people are hurting, hurting all around us. And um, we're, to live a, we're to live a life um, pleasing the Lord, we're to live a life unselfishly. We're to live a life where Christ is exalted in us so that we can be a light and a in a in a in um, a help. Uh, to people that have great girls grieving that uh, they'll not see their father again on this side of eternity. But, but we praise God. And I I was just um, getting a little emotional tonight as we were singing. And I hope those songs that we're singing, especially that last song that we sang, um, what would life be without Christ who paid our sin debt so that we could have eternal life? And uh, I praise the Lord that Matt knew Christ as a savior and uh, what a wonderful um, message was preached at his, at his funeral service. No, I didn't preach it. I'm not boasting of my, a message I preached. But the message was so wonderful, so, so um, gospel-centered in giving truth, but also comforting because of um, the truth of the gospel. We, we not only see Jesus, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I know once we get to heaven, that's going to be the highlight to see Christ but um, I, I feel like those young girls, a highlight is going to see their dad again as well. And um, I, am I ringing? Help me out there. Um, and then I was going through, I, I look at our church. Um, anytime there's a, um, a death, I always put it on my calendar. And I, just so that I can pray for that family that day. And I'm looking ahead a couple weeks and, and in, in, uh, on my calendar, it shows just about every day over the next two weeks or so, there's somebody in our church that had a loved one pass away. Um, Dick is on there, his son, and um, um, several several others just, like I said, almost the next couple weeks, it just looks like there's, there's people that um, are going to be hurting. And sometimes, you know, we live... Um, where the events of a the day, they they kind of they sidetrack us our, us for a day and get our thoughts on maybe back to reality. And and I asked the Lord this afternoon. I said, Lord, I I don't want crisis to to always be the thing that gets me back. I I just want to live there. I just want to I just want to live every day, waking up and praising God for who He is being thankful. I want to live in that place where I'm kind and compassionate to people. Not having to live to tomorrow regret because of what I said the day previous, but just living for Christ in the moment of every moment of the day. And um, I think we could do that as Christians, don't you? And that's that's what we're looking at. Over the last um, several weeks here, We we've looked at attitudes, our attitude. How many of you get concerned when they get a bad attitude? How many of you try to straighten it up? Do you guys get concerned when that baby has a bad attitude? Huh? Isn't that frustrating? Huh? How many of you get concerned when somebody close to you has a bad attitude? Right? You, you want to correct it. And God's concerned with our attitude. In, in in what we've been looking at over the last several weeks, what we do is we look at an attitude, and, and many of these, if not most of them, I think have all come from the book of Numbers as we looked at the children of Israel. But God exposes those attitudes in our life. And then what he does is there's a right attitude that he wants for us. And we've got to remove that old attitude that is very self-centered. How, how many of you love you? I got to put two hands up on that one. I do. I, I love me. That's why I feed me and I care for me. And that's why I get offended so easily because I do. I love me. And because of that, my attitude sometimes needs to be adjusted. And what God does is he'll identify an attitude in our life. And aren't you so glad that he gives you an opportunity to change that attitude? He doesn't just, you know what? You're done. It's over. I'm finished with you. I'm so glad that he also shows us the attitude that we're supposed to have. An entire generation of people were destroyed because of what? They couldn't make it in the wilderness financially? An entire generation of people were destroyed because there wasn't enough food to feed them in the wilderness? Entire generation was destroyed because the weather was so bad in the wilderness. An entire generation of people died because of their attitude. Doubt, covetousness, complaining. In Hebrews chapter number one, would you go there with me? We looked last week. What did we look at last week? Anybody remember? Somebody. What was it? Doubt. Doubt. How many of you doubted this week? How many of you are lying right now? (laughs) How many of you doubted? Raise your hand nice and high if you doubted. Nice and high. Yeah, look at all these people that doubted. Doubted this week. We're going to look at not the attitude of doubt. We're going to look this week at faith. Faith, what your, what your temperature is to your health, your faith is to your soul. I mean, if you had a high temperature before, you knew you were sick because you took a temperature, right? If you go to the doctor, what's the first thing they take? Your temperature, your vital signs. They want to know, is there something going inside of your body that we need to know about? Is there an infection? Just by simply taking a temperature can reveal to a doctor if there's something inside of you that they need to be concerned with. Am I right, Mrs. Kaiser? I'm not even a doctor, and I knew that, right? But your faith then is an identifier of where your soul is at. In, in faith, we, we hear faith. How many of you ever heard a message on faith, read a book on faith, prayed that God would increase your faith, told your spouse they need more faith? How many of you ever had that happen in your life? Anybody like that? Yeah, we all hear faith. But I would ask you this as we look at this this topic of faith. Are you exercising faith the way that God desires for you to exercise faith? Are you exercising faith in your life the way that God desires for you to exercise faith? Faith is, the Bible tells us this, now faith, in verse number 1 of chapter 11 of Hebrews, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by it, the elders obtained a good report. How many of you have ever read Hebrews chapter number 11? Isn't it like a, it'd make for a great movie, wouldn't it? I mean, if you look through like this is exciting stuff. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. What does that mean? We believe in creation. We believe that nothing existed in God's word caused everything to exist. God said, let there be light. Light wasn't ever there. He said it, and it just happened. He said, let there be um, trees. And, And he didn't take a seed that was created by something else. He said, let there be a tree. And guess what happened? A tree. Tree. Let there be grass, and grass came. He didn't take anything and form it except his word. And the Bible says it takes faith to believe that. Why do we believe that? Because science proves it or because science believes it? No, we believe that because we believe it by faith. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. What we see was made from nothing, is what verse 3 says. Then you get into it. This is these great men of faith. By faith, Abel Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And here's, here's Enoch. He lived a life in such a way. He lived a life of faith. He didn't see death. He believed God because God hath translated him. And before his translation, he had his testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. The Bible tells us that it requires faith to be saved. You can't come to God without faith. In verse number seven, we read of this man named Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet, not seen as of yet, moved with fear. If God came to you and said, listen me, I know you don't know what rain is, let alone a flood is, but I want you to build this big ark. Right? He landed in Kentucky, didn't he? I want you to build this ark. How many of us, isn't that seem like an impossible thing? Yet he did it by faith. What, why did he do that? Because he was afraid of rain? He did it because he believed God. His fear was in God, not fear of rain. He believed God. And by faith, Noah, being warned of God of these things, not seen as if yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark, to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, think about this, verse number eight. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should, not, or should after receive for inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. So many people, this is all free. I'm not even charging you for this. So many people say, I'll, I'll move when God moves or when he reveals Abraham what God says I want you to go he didn't say well you tell me first before I go and that's faith faith is this God said I want you to do something and Abraham says okay the only way to get there is to walk so I'm going to start walking how many of us believe God at that level by faith he he has a place for you and all you have to do is not know where the place is all you have to do is believe he does just think about that. God has a plan for your life, a place for your life. We want to know all of the facts before we go. How many of you ever weighed out the pros and cons? If God's in it, then the pros are bigger. Well, guess what? If God would have said to Moses, Noah, this is what's going to happen, I'm going to ask you to sacrifice your son and, 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 and these things are going to happen to your life and, and all of these tragedies are going to have, happen, would you still by faith go? Faith is not weighing out the pros and cons, making sure the cons outweighs the pro. That way, God, it must be in it if all the, 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 the good is there. Faith is simply this, God, I don't need to know everything. I just need to trust you. Faith is believing God's word. And that's what Abraham did. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. How many of you ladies would have the faith to have a child, past age. <laughs> God, you can do this. The faith comes and I can do this. <laughs> we can get this to happen together. Therefore, sprang there, even of one, in verse 12, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore numberable. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they they seek a country. Where, what are they seeking? Heaven. their their eyes are upon heaven. He, he, hear me as we get into this tonight. We believe that God is trustworthy. We believe that what he says is true. We believe his promises. None of these that we hear of, and and, and the Bible continues to go throughout Hebrews chapter 11, none of those men, none of those women who mentioned in what we call the hall of faith here in Hebrews chapter 11, none of them would have walked by faith if they doubted the promises of God. The promises are short. Now, I want you to realize something that we have that none of these had. And it's the book you hold in your hand. If they could trust God and walk by faith without His Word, His written Word, can't we? Right now, right now, with, with God's finished word, his word that's sitting on your lap, any problem you have, or uh, brother, brother Dick, I, I've, I've been with him many a times when he uses a little Gideon New Testament to witness somebody. He says this, look with me in the front here. It talks about anything, grief and this and that. He goes through all the problems that you could have in life. Look, the Bible has a, has a verse or has several verses to help you in any of those times of your life. And we can go to the written word of God and we can find in any trial we're facing, we can find a promise. In any situation we're in, we can find assurance from God. And these men, these women didn't have that. And I would say this, if they could still have faith and not have the complete word of God at their disposal at that time, we have the complete word of God. Don't you believe this, that we should walk by faith? I want to give you tonight the prescription for faith, the prescription for faith. Would you write that down? Roman numeral one or one, however you want to write it, the prescription for faith. Now, some people will call you very foolish if you have faith. Some people think this, that faith is just us Christians putting our head in the sand, not wanting to face reality. Some people think this, that faith is you're uneducated, you're living a foolish life, you're, you're anti-intellectual. Faith is, is, is just for weak people. You want to put your faith in something that's not real, that helps you get through life, when in reality, faith is for strong people. Because I realize this, I don't have what it takes to get through life, but I know a God that does. And I believe his word. And in, 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 so let's look at the prescription for faith. Letter A is faith is active confidence in God. The prescription faith is this. For, for faith, it's active confidence in God. If you want to have faith in your life, you have to have active confidence in who God is. Your, your confidence is who God says he is. Your confidence is in what God says he will do. And your confidence is that God keeps his word. In 1 Peter 3, t- turn over there with me. Keep your place in Hebrews. We're going to be there all night. First Peter, if you would, chapter number three. First Peter 3 in verse number 15. The Bible says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope. Circle that word hope of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know what Peter is saying there? He's saying to you, listen, you don't be ashamed of what you believe. Don't be intimidated by what you believe. Those that lack faith aren't going to believe what you believe because the only reason you believe what you believe is you have faith. You have confidence in who God is. And be ready. Be ready to stand and give an account. Don't be ashamed of that. Tell those that doubt, tell those that resist God, let them know where you stand. And, and, and look with me what he says in the, to answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope, the hope. Now go back to Hebrews chapter number 11. Now faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Be ready to speak of your confidence in God. What Peter is saying to us is this. Be ready to tell others the confidence you have in God. When, when, when trials come and turmoil comes and, and problems come, be ready to speak. Somebody says, how can you live this way? What do you just put your head in the sand and, and, and just, 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 just think that the problem's gonna go away? No, I, I, I turn my eyes to our Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God said what he will do. I believe that he's going to do it. And what this does is we put our confidence in Him. It allows us to live in a world that is so shaky. It allows us to live in a, in a in society that just seems like it's spiraling out of control. We don't have to spiral out of control when a society spirals out of control. We don't have to worry about things that fleshly people worry about. We have confidence in God. And God said He's going to supply our needs. God said that He's going to fulfill His promises. It's not because of who we are. Our confidence is in God because of who he is. That ought to have us the prescription for faith. Letter B, let's look at verse number one again. Now faith is what? Faith is the substance. You ever look at faith as substance? Faith almost is like empty, like I don't have anything to put my faith in. Like, it's not, there's nothing there. So faith is that. It's faith is a hope that what's promised. No, the Bible says this, faith is the substance. There's substance to faith. What is that substance? That, that word hope that Peter speaks of, that, that word hope that we find in Hebrews chapter number one, hope is putting confidence in what God has said in his word Listen, faith is not weakness. Faith is not uh, 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 nothing. Faith is the substance of everything you find that God says in this book. You see, faith is not you just living your life aimlessly however you want, believing that everything is going to work out okay. Faith is this. I can't predict the future. I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold, but I know a God that holds tomorrow in whatever he says is going to happen. And I believe that, and I don't have to walk in fear. I don't have to walk in doubt. I don't have to walk in being afraid of what the, the future is going to hold. I'm putting confidence in what God said. And listen to me, there's no substance greater than God's word, nothing. Those of you that have small kids, don't they think that everything you say you're going to be able to do? My daughter thinks that all you have to do is go to the bank and they'll give you all the money you want. Is that right, Rob, or no? <laughs> so she'll want something and she'll say, Dad, can we just go to the bank and get it? I said, I don't have any money. Can we just go to the bank? One of my daughters, she's too old to think this but she does. She said, so dad, like they have all of your money, like sitting in a drawer. So whenever you want it, you just go tell them you take that. I'm like, no, it doesn't actually work that way. It's more like on computers. And they, they, and she's like, so you don't have money in the bank. I said, well, not really. I don't, but, um, the little bit that I have, it's really not there. She's like, I thought you could just go and like get it. And we collect these $2 bills. And I said, I want to take them to the bank and put them in a safety deposit box. And and, and, and she's, well, they're going to take our $2 bills. We won't have $2 bills anymore. Like she got so upset over this concept that the bank doesn't really have your money. And I had to tell her, it doesn't matter. If you don't have money, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but they think that substance is something that you can hold on to. But listen to me, substance in faith is something you can hold on to. It's every single promise that God said is true. You can hold on to it. I was at this funeral today, and I don't know what people do without Christ. I really don't. I, 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 people would just fall apart. If you face eternity not knowing where you're going to spend eternity, not knowing where your loved one's going to spend eternity, hoping that they were good enough to get to heaven, that is the, probably the most awful feeling. I had a funeral one time, and the young girl literally was crawling into this casket because she couldn't say goodbye. I mean, literally trying to get into this casket at the end of the funeral because she didn't understand Christ and reality to her was so scary and so fearful. And then, then you go and you, you, you go to a Christian funeral where people are weeping and people are but but the hope to see him in that because of salvation, just like we sang tonight, we're engraved in his hand and nothing can take us from that. And and, and we're gonna spend eternity in him because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and we're gonna see those that have gone on before us. That hope gives us such joy and such peace in such a time of trial in our life. Faith is subsidies, those that battle with doubt, those that look at the future and say, boy, I'm so concerned and I'm anxious for the unknown. You have promises from God. H- have, you ever, have you ever sat and thought the whole bottom has fallen out and I'm just going to hold on here? You ever do that at your job? or I, I do that about twice a week as a pastor. I sit in my office and I say, the bottom's falling out. I'm just going to hold on here. I did it today. The bottom's going to fall out. I'm going to hold on. It's so easy to doubt, but faith says this, you have promises in God's word. Faith holds on to our hope till we see God's promises fulfilled. Listen, we might not see them fulfilled all the way, we might not recognize them on this side of eternity, but hear me today, faith has substance because one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to see every promise that he fulfilled. You know what we're going to see? Every single one of them were fulfilled by God. There's never one promise that God says, I don't think I can keep that. Have you ever promised something to someone and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to change that? I, I can't do that now. Something happened and it's caused. Do you realize this? There's no circumstance in your life that God will ever say, I know I promised you this, but because of this, I can't keep that promise. Every promise in your life, no matter what the circumstance you have, he says, I have enough promise and I have enough power that I am going to fulfill every promise you ever had. Faith is substance. Also, I want you to see in verse number one, it's not only substance of the things hoped for. The Bible also says this, faith is the evidence of things not seen. When you are in an attitude of doubt, faith is evidence. And what does that mean? God's done it before. You know what? There is evidence of God working in every single one of our lives. One of the reasons I think that you ought to magnify God